Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity you give us to just study your word, to love you, to care for you, uh, to learn how to walk in a way that's pleasing to you. Lord, as we start this new series on stewardship this morning, I pray that we would be encouraged and challenged in Christ's name. Amen. These pictures are fun and have no real impact on our lives except to make us go nuts, right? However, we often don't realize that living in a sinful world messes with our perception of reality in very dangerous ways. The way that these optical illusions mess with our perception of reality, okay? Living in a sinful world also messes with our perception of reality. It's hard not to see our lives from the perspective of what the world says our lives should look like. Instead of what God says our lives should look like, we will take and incorporate even into our Christianity, into our faith, what the world says our life should look like. It's easy for us to love ourselves more than God and our neighbors. True? Because we live in a world that loves whom? Above everything else. Self. But God says we're supposed to love ourselves. That's uh, love others and love Him before ourselves. It's easy for us to believe that we are not depraved, sinful people that God says we are. And look at our lives from the world's point of view and say, I'm not that bad. I mean, it's really easy for us to look in the mirror and say, I'm really not that bad. I haven't murdered anybody. You know, I'm not uh, as bad as a Hitler or a Mussolini. You know, I'm not even as bad as the, the drunk down the street. Or the, the problem with that is that's a perception the world wants us to see of ourselves. And we work really hard at making sure that we really don't look at ourselves in a way that makes us look really bad. Or we don't want to realize that. It's really easy for us to define our identities like the world wants us to. We identify our identities by what we feel instead of what God has made us, what God has incorporated into us. We, we become, our identity becomes our career, or our identity becomes our sexual identity, or our identity becomes a parent, or our identity, we can go on and on. But as Christ followers, our identity is what? We're a Christ follower, Period. That's our identity. The world says that's not true. It's easy for us to live day in and day out as if we are in control of living our lives instead of the reality that we really aren't in control. How many of you live your life? Just, it's just going through life. You get up in the morning. You have your schedule. You have all this stuff. And you just kind of act and live as if you are really in control of your life. Most of us would probably have to admit that to some extent, right? But in reality, from the time that you wake up and set your foot on the ground, who's in control? God is. This morning, we're going to start a new series that I pray will help us keep our perspective of life in line with what God has revealed in His Word. I believe that perspective, this perspective can be summed up into one word. If we want a, a perspective of our lives on this planet and how we're supposed to live them, there is one word, I think, that sums all of that up, and it's the word steward. It's the word steward. If our lives are going to be lived for God in light of His Word, then we have to live our lives as if we are stewards. The title of this series is Living a Life of Stewardship. Many of us have an idea of what it means to be a steward, but we're going to make sure that everybody's on the same page today and we're going to have some definitions here and the first thing that we're going to look at is legitimately what is stewardship what does it mean 
stewardship. This, as far as the dictionary says, it's the job of supervising or taking care of something such as an organization or property that doesn't belong to you. It's the job of supervising or taking care of something such as an organization or property that doesn't belong to you. The idea of stewardship carries with it this truth. Anyone involved in stewardship automatically becomes what? A steward. And with that in mind, we need to ask, how does that affect our lives today? A steward then is one who manages another's property, finances, or other affairs. And why do we need to be on the same page as far as this idea of stewardship and being a steward? Because everyone here this morning is a steward. Every person here this morning is a steward. This is one of the foundational truths of living a life as a Christ follower. You and I are stewards. It has far-reaching impact on every area of our lives. A lot of times when we say we're going to do a stewardship series, what do we think about? Money. And that's a lot of times what hap- uh, when the, the pews are a little bit empty over the few weeks that you're going to do a stewardship thing because they're saying he wants to raise more money or he wants us to give more money. Uh, the idea here is this is far-reaching. There is not an area of your life that is not impacted by you being a steward as a Christ follower. What is the basis for this truth that everyone here is the steward? The basis for this truth is that the Bible clearly teaches that God owns everything. That's the truth. God owns everything. Contemplate the ramifications of that statement. Think about it. If God owns everything, then you can't own anything. Have you ever thought about it that way? If God owns everything, then you cannot. It is impossible for you to be an owner of anything that is in your life. How often do we live life with that in mind? Until this truth is firmly seated into your depths of your heart, we will always struggle with being a good steward of the lives that God has given us on this earth. We will struggle being good stewards if we do not realize and come to grips that I don't own everything because, and I can't own anything because God owns everything. You want to see how the Bible presents this? It's, it's stated over and over, and yes, I have a lot of verses here, but I want you to understand it's not just found in one or two places. Uh, first thing we say in Exodus 19, uh, we see in Exodus 19.5, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, he's talking to the Israelites, and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for the earth, all the earth is mine. So there are two things that he outlines there that he owns. What are those two things in that one verse? People, does he own Israel? They are whose possession? Mine. And what else? What does that include? Everything. How about this one? Deuteronomy 10:14. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and uh, the heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. So what is the heaven of heavens? The universe. How much does God own? 
all of creation. It's black and white here. There is no gray here whatsoever. He owns the heaven of heavens itself. Psalm 24.1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. Psalm 50, verses 10 through 12. And if we need to understand something here, this is why I had Shannon read this passage earlier. This is a, a psalm about God's judgment. And God is saying, in this psalm, God is saying, I don't want your sacrifices because you aren't doing it in the right way. He is saying, you're going to be judged. And the idea, he says, uh, in this judgment uh, psalm, he says, for every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. How many people remember that old hymn? I know all the birds of the hills. Uh, how many birds is that? Have you ever seen those big, I, I don't know what kind of bird, the flocks of the blackbirds that run around, you know, they go all over. He knows them all, okay? And all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. What's God making a point of here? You don't own anything. It's all mine. Psalm 95, 4 through 5. In his hands are the depths of the earth. All the way to the core of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 26, quoting one of the psalms that we just read. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And we understand that this truth that God owns everything is carried into what? The New Testament. So both the New Testament and the Old Testament affirm what to us in very, very clear terms. He owns everything. You own nothing. That's kind of a hit on our pride, isn't it? We like to look at the things that we built, the career that we built, the houses that we built, the property that we have improved. We like to look at all these things that we've done, the families that we raised and the kids that we raised, all these things. And we're like, hey, and it's okay for us to say those are my kids, okay, because that is the way that we identify because I, you know, that's my wife. But what do I implicitly know? She belongs to God, not to me. I'm a steward of her love for me. That changes everything that I do in my marriage. Because my marriage isn't about me. It's about being a stewardship of what God has given me in my marriage, including my wife. That changes the whole basis for marriage. It is through our salvation that our eyes have been opened to this truth. God owns everything, and that includes every living and breathing organism. You and I belong to God. Our children belong to God. He is the very source of life, and He determines the day of our birth and the day of our death. It's because He owns us. We belong to Him. We are His possession. And as I've said over and over, we are not owners of anything in our lives we are stewards of the life God has given us. We are stewards of the careers He provides us with. We are stewards of the relationships He has given us. We are stewards of the weekly salaries we earn. We are, steward, 
we are stewards of God's 401k and God's IRAs and God's savings accounts. They are not ours. They do not belong to us. We are stewards of the pets He gives us. We are stewards of, and you fill in the blank. The truth is, God is even the owner of those who deny Him. Even though they do not acknowledge their lives and possessions belong to God, they will one day give an account to God for their stewardship of their lives and possessions. And they will stand before the Creator of, a, of the universe as stewards who acted like owners. And sometimes even Christ followers, knowing that we are stewards, we live our lives as if we are what? Owners. Thankfully, God is a loving and gracious owner. Amen? How many of us need that every day of our lives when we act as owners, when we're actually stewards? Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, claiming to be wise, they, this is mankind, claimed, uh, became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their heart because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature. What does that mean? They worshipped creation. They thought themselves as being owners of creation because who made all the gods that they worshipped? They did. They worshipped and served the creator, creature rather than the creator. God is condemning mankind because they forgot who He was. They forgot He's the owner. And they live their lives as if they are the owners. They are in control of their life. And they can do what they want with their possessions. And God is saying, uh-uh, this is, what, this, is, this is what caused mankind to walk away from me. This rebellion, this disobedience, this sin of mankind, worshiping themselves instead of the one who created them, has separated all of mankind from God. And they became an enemy of God, destined to die and be eternally separated from God in hell. But because God loved His creation, He showed grace and mercy and sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die the death of all mankind should have died, so that whoever believes in His Son, Jesus Christ, should not perish but have eternal life. You see, God loves us so much that even when we act as owners as sinful human beings he sent his son and said i want to repair this i want to provide a way for you to be back in fellowship with me to to have your sin taken care of the rebellious sin that makes you think that you're an owner and i've sent my son jesus christ to do that and every day, even after salvation, do we struggle with this idea that we are not owners? Yes, we do. We do. And we need His forgiveness. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, then He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We say what? Amen. Because we need that every day. Because we so often think that we're owners instead of stewards. We praise God for our salvation. We understand the big picture that He is the owner. And when we see Jesus Christ for who He is, when we bow to Him and we uh, give our lives to Him, then we accept the role as a humble steward of God's creation. 
we offer our lives as what? Living sacrifices. And we say, Lord God, I do not own anything. You own everything. And I will serve you for the rest of my entire life on this planet as your voluntary steward. So we've made the point that God is the owner of everything. Therefore, we can't be the owners of anything. And therefore, we conclude that we need to view our lives as being stewards of the blessings of God. The blessings that God has given us instead of owners. We need to view our lives as that, every portion of our lives. And it's often hard for us to grasp what it means to be a steward instead of an owner because we've been so influenced by a sinful world that we live in. So what I want to do right now is give us some basic biblical principles about what it means to be a steward. Okay, what are some basic theological principles about being a steward? And we're going to look at this in a parable that many of us are familiar with. It's Matthew chapter 24. If you will turn there, please, Matthew chapter 24. It's on page 1054 in the Pew Bible, if you do not have a Bible. I would uh, encourage you uh, to have a Bible in your lap so that you can walk through this with us and see these basic principles of stewardship. Matthew chapter 24. We're actually going to spend our time in 25, but I wanted you to see what was going on here. In Matthew 24, Matthew draws our minds to the prophetic return of Jesus Christ. He is saying there's going to be a time when Jesus Christ comes back. He tells of the destruction of the temple. He talks about the signs of the end of the age. That's all in chapter 24. And then he is going to help us see a a look at a sermon that Jesus preaches on the Mount of Olives. And if you look at chapter 24... Verses 45 and following. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their proper their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant. What's another name for servant here? Steward. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him into pieces and put him in uh, with the hypocrites in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so he opens this whole section of uh, this, uh, the next chapter of what it means to wait for Christ's coming. He is coming. We don't know when he's coming. We are all stewards. So what are we as stewards supposed to be doing while we're waiting? And he gives us some parables that Jesus spoke. He gives us the parables of the, of the ten virgins, which we're not going to go over. Ten virgins, they went to wait for the bridegroom, and they didn't prepare properly. They weren't ready when the bridegroom came back, and they were shut out of the wedding feast. And so that idea is we should be waiting with a What? ready spirit. We need to always be waiting for God, looking for the signs, understanding that He could come at any moment. And then He comes to verse 14 in, verse, in chapter 25, and it's the parable of the talents. Again, this is what are we supposed to be doing 
while we're waiting, while we're being stewards, what are we supposed to be doing as men and women of God, as children of God? So starting in uh, verse 14 of chapter 25, let's just read the first part of it. For it will be like a man for life on earth, waiting for Jesus Christ, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. So what we have here is this master. What's another word for master in the context we're talking today? He's the owner. We have to understand that servants, or especially servants who were stewards in that day, what did they own? Nothing. Everything they dealt with belonged to whom? The master. So the master comes and calls three of his servants to him and says, hey, I'm going to go on a long journey. And I need you to take care of some of the property that I have, some of the money. A talent, okay, was equal to about 20 years of a day laborer's wage. So to these servants, how much money was that? A bunch. How much responsibility did they have? A great responsibility. And he says, I'm going to go away. You take this and you, you handle this for me. You handle this for me. You take care of it as if I was taking care of it myself. That's the point. And so, the point of this parable is while Jesus is away, His people are to be faithful stewards of the resources they're giving in our earthly lives. We need to understand that what you have, your life, your relationships, your family, your careers, your money, your retirement accounts, your vacations, everything have been given to you by God to invest in His kingdom for Him, not you. Because you don't own any of it. He does. And so what we understand in these basic principles of stewardship is, first, the owner assigns the responsibilities and the level of stewardship. The owner assigns the responsibilities and the level of stewardship. And we see that in the verses we just read. Verse 14, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Who chose the servants? He did. Who chose what property to give them? Who chose what amount of the property to give him? Give them? Did they have a choice? Did they have a choice to refuse it? Are you getting the idea? Who has been given property and responsibility in our earthly lives today? To invest in the kingdom, you and I, right? Who chose all that? You or God? Hmm. How did you create the 401k? How did you create the IRA? How did you create, uh, have the, the resources for housing and for cars? Who gave you all that? Gave you the ability to make that and to build that? God did. And so the owner assigns the responsibilities. And you want to know something? This can be very, bring a lot of contentment to our lives. God wants you to succeed in your stewardship of His resources. He knows what you're capable of better than you do at any point in your life. 
He has given you the responsibility you have at this point because you can handle them. They're designed to grow you, to challenge you at your level. We need to stop looking around at what others have and what their responsibilities are and being uh, and saying, I wish I. Because God has said, no. Right now where you're at, right now what, you're, uh, what I've given you to be responsible for, that's what you're capable of. You grow in this. You invest it wisely. We don't have to look at each other and other people and say, hey, I could handle that. I wish I had that career or that money or that whatever. God says, no, I've got you where you need to be right now. Be content with the responsibilities you have. Trust God to bring more into your life when you are ready. And who knows when you're ready? He does. We also see that the owner expects stewards to wisely invest what he gives them. He expects it. Okay, we're stewards of God's property. We're stewards of God's provision and blessings in our life. Who expects us to wisely invest them that for him? God, we have a responsibility to invest it for him. Look at verses 16 through 18. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. Verse 70, so he also who had two talents made two talents more. But when he had received the one talent, went and dug in the, dug, dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. What did he expect? There's going to be return on what property he gave them. Return for whose kingdom? The owner's, not yours. That is so hard for us. The increase that we have, whatever that is, in whatever area of our life, is not for us. It is for whom? God, who is the owner. It is for His kingdom, His work, His will, not our own. And if we do not work like that, if we do not keep that in mind, who are we going to invest that stuff for? Us. Because the world says, who is the owner? We are. And God says, no, you're not. I am. I am. The owner expects stewards to wisely invest. God desires us to work to the best of our ability to use His resources in a profitable way. He wants us to invest the time He has given us wisely. You have a stewardship of time, and we're going to, as we go through this series, we're going to look at major portions of our life. We're going to look at stewardship of God's Word. We're going to look at stewardship of God's finances. We're going to look at stewardship of God's time, of relationships. We're going to look at all those areas of our lives over the next number of weeks as we go through this series to find out how are we supposed to handle our time for God? How are we supposed to invest for God? But until we realize that that is a responsibility that we have, we will never do it. We won't. He wants us to raise children to know His Word so that they know who He is. We raise our children for whom? God. We want our children to know who God is. We do not raise our children so that they can be sports heroes or successful in life. That is not our primary goal. Do we want that for our children? 
Yes. Is that bad? No. Until that becomes the reason we're raising them. We raise them to be successful in God's eyes for God's kingdom. That changes the whole reason we raise kids. That changes everything. He wants us to invest the spiritual gifts He has given us to strengthen our church. Every person here we know, we're going to look at that. Every person we, that's here has spiritual gifts. Every person. You are not given those spiritual gifts for yourself. You are given those spiritual gifts to edify the body. So you need to look at your life and look at your time with the body and look at how you interact with the body and say every day, did I use my spiritual gift to further the kingdom of God today by ministering to the body God has put me in? If you do not work and enjoy the, the, the stewardship of your spiritual gifts in the body, there's a problem. That's why we love to be around one another, because we get to serve each other with our spiritual gifts and challenge each other and love each other and forgive each other as we live life together. If we are not actively involved in using our spiritual gifts in the church, then we are telling God that the time that we would be doing that, that we're owners of instead of Him. He wants us to invest the money He's blessed us with for His glory. How many of your investments are legitimately thought of in your mind as being invested for God's glory? Honestly. Has that thought ever crossed your mind? Or are your investments for your retirement? For your future? Should I invest for the future? Yes. That's a biblical principle. But I don't invest with me as being the sole focus. I invest so that I can do more when I retire for God and His glory. You know what one of the largest growing groups of people for missions in the world right now? Retired folk. Because there's a movement right now in their hearts to say what? I don't work anymore. I have this time. And there are more and more and more Older, retired folks who are doing overseas missions now than there ever has been. And there are many stories where men and women are going overseas as older, retired folks, knowing that they may not come back to their family. Because they understand what I have with this time now is to be invested in Christ and His kingdom. That doesn't mean we all, when we retire, all go overseas. I'm not saying that. That's not some of our responsibility for all of us. But are we even of that mindset? Are we of that mindset? God assigns our stewardship and expects us to invest His resources for His plan and His kingdom. Here's another basic principle. The owner expects his steward to wisely invest what he assigns. Those, it's in that same, uh, look at verse 19. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he, he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you deliver me the five talents. Who, who does he acknowledge delivered to him the five talents? The master. The steward, the steward knew the master expected him to invest how much of that five talents? All of it. He says, you gave this to me, and it's my responsibility to invest all that you gave me all that you assigned me 
for your glory and your honor and your kingdom. Is it okay for us to buy things? Yes. Is it okay for us to, to what we would call own things like a house and a car and stuff like that? Yes. As long as we dedicate those things to whose service? God's. How many of us use our homes on a regular basis for God's service? How many? How many of us open our doors to God's service in our homes on a regular basis? Our homes don't belong to us. Our homes belong to God and are to be used for whose glory and whose purpose? God's. Here's something that is going to really just be hard for us to understand. Not understand, but hard for us just to deal with. Another basic principle. The owner will require an accounting from the steward. The owner will require an accounting from the steward. We saw that in verse 19. How many of you right now would feel comfortable standing before the owner of the universe and opening up the books of the resources that he gave you and saying, here, I've invested for you. How many of us would be really excited about that? As I had a chance to think about this most of the week and work through this, we're talking like, oh. Because there's been much of my life that that was not the case, even after salvation. And Kathy and I have grown immensely in this area of our lives because we begin, as we've grown older and as we've uh, had a chance to uh, study God's Word and be in ministry, and we have had the opportunity to see how God has blessed when we use His resources for His glory, and we also benefit from that. He says we reap what we sow. And if we're not sowing His resources to the things that bring Him glory, we're not going to reap blessings from God. And, and that's... That's really hard because you and I, we have to understand, you and I are going to stand before God and give an accounting of the resources He's given us to use. It's easy for us to fall into the trap of living like our money, our time, our children belong to us. But you want to know something? He already knows how you and I are handling our resources. It's not hidden to him. He's not going to have to go at the end of your life and add up everything in the books. He doesn't. He, he already knows right now how each of us are handling his resources that he's given us. He knows it. All that is left for us right now is to hear from him how he thinks we handled our stewardship. And nobody here knows the day that that's going to happen. Usually the idea of accountability takes on a negative slant. 
I was talking to somebody about this earlier this week, and that's immediately where they went. But accountability just means to do what? Give an account. It's not positive or negative. We usually take that as what? Negative. But can accountability, can us giving an account bring great blessings to us? Can it be a very positive thing? Absolutely. It can also be a negative thing. And we see that in verses 20 through 30. Look at starting in verse 20. We won't read it all, but we'll read some of it. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you deliver me to five talents. <clears throat> Here I've made five talents more. And his master said to him, what? Well done. How many of us want to stand before God, the owner of the universe, and have him say, well done, my steward? Oh, I desperately want that. I desperately want that. Well done, good and faithful steward, servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Amen. You want to be responsible for more of God's resources on this planet? Then be faithful with what He's given you now. And then the time of accounting will come, and we see the principle here, then we will be given more. And not only will we be given more, but we will be given more in the joy of our Master. Oh, I want that for my life so much. I want to be in the joy of my Master because I invested the blessings and the resources that He's given me on this planet. And that's the last thing that we see there. The owner will give rewards and punishment. We already saw the reward part there in, in verses, uh, starting in verse 20. But I want you to go over to drop down to verse 24. He also, who had received, okay, the, the man who was the steward, the servant who was given two talents, he got the same response, which is really, really neat. A guy was in charge of, one steward was involved, uh, was in, responsible for five talents, the next one was, uh, was responsible for two talents. They both got the same reaction from the master. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Go, and I'm going to increase what I give you. So it doesn't make any difference how much we have. It just makes a difference in what we do with what we have. But then we look at the last steward. He also had received one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. So who's he blaming what he did on? He's looking at the master. I did not do, I did what I did because of you. That's called deflection. He pointed at the master and said, don't get me in trouble because I did this because of who you are. We'll see what that gets him here in a minute. Okay? And reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. Verse 25, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Hence, you have what is yours. He comes to him with a sense of what? accomplishment <clears throat> he blames the master for not doing what he should have done and then he comes forward with still the sense of here i did well but his master answered him you wicked and slothful servant you knew that i reap where i have not sown and gathered where i scattered no seed and then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming i should have received what was my own with interest you should have done something 
Even if it was just putting it in the bank. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. He lost what he had because he was not a good steward. And he did not enter into the joy of his master. For to everyone who has, uh, who has will be given, more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless ser- Did you get? Cast the what? Worthless. Did that change the, servants, uh, the steward's perspective? Totally. It's your fault. I invested it. I buried it. I'm giving you back what's yours. I did a good job. And the master looks at him and says, you are worthless. Into the outer darkness, and in that place there were weeping and gnashing of teeth. Is there severe punishment for not being a good steward? Yeah, there is. You see, as we started this morning, we started with the idea that we are stewards be, and that because God owns everything. And now we're ending with the idea that we are going to give an account to God for what He has given us. That's what being a steward is. And in between those, the world is sitting there doing what? Telling us to be like the steward who had one talent. Thinking overly on myself. Thinking, being lazy, not working hard. And, and the world wants us to think of ourselves. The world wants us to invest in ourselves. The world wants us to invest in what the world says is important. And God says, no, it is mine. I own it. I created it. I want to bless you. I want to increase what you have. I want to give you more. But you have to be a wise steward first. And because the world has so made everything so foggy, that's why we're doing this series, because we want to go back to the Word and say, how do we steward various portions of our lives biblically? How do we handle our marriages? How do we handle parenting? How do we handle our finances? How do we handle our time and our, our, the, the, being a steward of God's Word? How do we do this biblically so that we can be uh, firm in our foundation of our everyday walk knowing that when I, when I go to bed at night, today I was a good steward of God's things. But then we go back to what I already said earlier. How many of us here are going to do that really, really well all the time? Nobody. How many of us are going to need God's forgiveness over and over and over and over? And we know that we have an owner who is what? Loving, gracious, merciful, kind, especially when he knows our hearts want to serve him as good stewards. And so if you have come to a place where you're saying, man, I am not, this has not crossed my mind. I do not live every day of my life with this. I need to, you know, you're going to have a chance here in a few minutes just to go before God and say, oh man, I'm, I'm, this is not what my life is like. <clears throat> Please forgive me and help me learn how to be a steward of the things that you have given me so that you can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. 
These biblical principles, these basic principles of stewardship help us grasp the importance of living with the perspective that we will be held responsible for the resources God has given us because we are not owners, we are stewards. The truth that God is the owner of everything reminds us that it is important for us to always ask this question. This question needs to be on our minds day in and day out. Is how I'm investing this resource, no matter what it is, is how I'm investing this resource now going to please God and advance His kingdom plans? That needs to be a question on our minds all the time. But we can be comforted because we know God is willing to forgive us, welcome us back and say, hey, you recognize it? Let's change. So I wanted to help you all begin to ask that question. Look on the back side of your notes. Everybody look on the back side of your notes. Stewardship reflection. This is your weekly assignment. I didn't say next week. I said what? Until it becomes natural, until it becomes ingrained, until it becomes a new habit. This is something, and you don't have to do it this way. This is just to get your brain juices flowing. Reflect on these questions every day before you go to bed. Specifically, now that's a really important word, because it's really easy. Yeah, I was a good steward. No, specifically, how do I invest in God's kingdom with His time? with His money, with His children, with His spiritual gifts today. How did I specifically invest in His kingdom today? And then you get to record your thoughts, Monday, Tuesday, you know. Sometimes for me, Monday, fail, right? And under fail, it's forgiven. Tuesday, not so much, but better. It's going to be hard. Because we don't think like this. We don't. We've been so influenced by the world that this is really foreign to us. And that's why we're going to do this series. So I pray that you would take the time, a few minutes each day, just to ask these questions and just be honest with yourself. And if you find yourself struggling, okay. Don't beat yourself up. Don't throw the paper away. I can't do this. Say, Lord God, I need help. I'm sorry. And so as Michelle comes up, let's take a minute and have everyone bow their heads. We're just going to use this past week because all of us here are going to honestly be able to answer the past week. How have I handled my responsibilities as a steward this week? How have I been a steward of God's resources that He's entrusted to me this week? I know that many of you, just like myself as I was studying this, it's hard. But we can go to God right now and bow before Him and we can say, Lord God, I am not where I need to be in taking care of Your resources. 
please, Lord, please, Lord, help me to grow. And I'm sorry, please forgive me. Maybe you need to pray that prayer right now. And if you prayed that prayer, then this week is a new week to grow, to learn, to bring glory to God and to live with new purpose in life. God doesn't keep a little black book. He's forgiven you and now, He just wants you to grow and to learn because He wants you to be a successful steward. He wants to reward you. He wants to be able to say to each one of us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Father God, we bow before You. Some of us pierced by Your Word. Many of us probably this morning. And we, we bow to you as a church because we have resources as a church, as, as an organization that we are also going to be held responsible for. And I pray that each person here this morning, every person here this morning, who's a member of Sardis Baptist Church, would help us as a church be wise and faithful stewards. And Lord God, I pray that we would bring great glory to you in how we use the funds that come to this church, the opportunities that come to this church, that we're faithful with the facilities of this church, that we're faithful with the community that you have placed in our laps right outside these doors, that we would be faithful to spread the light of Jesus Christ but Father, we cannot do that as a church until we as individuals are working hard at being good stewards. And so as individuals, Father, we ask that you would help this church grow. And Father, as we get ready to uh, finish this morning with song and worship, we just pray again for Gloria and Richard that you would comfort them today as uh, it's just a difficult situation. We pray that you would heal Gloria, and we praise your name that it wasn't worse than what it was. And we also ask, Lord God, that you would give this church wisdom as we begin to consider being a steward of another pastor, of Keith and Lacey and Jude and Ezra. Lord, we've asked him to come, and we ask, Father, that as we vote and consider the responsibilities behind that vote, that, Father, we will be good stewards of that family as a church body. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.